Another episode of Hive Mind, a pop culture podcast. My name is Erin and I am your host. On Sunday, I had the pleasure of seeing singer songwriter Gracie Abrams on her Good Riddance tour uh, up in Boston at the House of Blues. I was really, really excited and looking forward to this because Gracie has been on my concert wish list for a little while now. Uh, So it was very cool to finally make it out to one of her dates. I think that her ability to command a room, despite the small scale of many of her songs, is very impressive and her vulnerability is contagious. Uh, I think that, you know, sometimes she gets lumped in with some of those other Nebo babies, uh, you know, considering she is the daughter of J.J. Abrams, director of the Star Wars franchise. But I do think she has earned her fan base kind of on her own, on her own regard. And, uh, you know, she she puts on a hell of a show. Um, I I loved it. It was great. But the reason I wanted to come on here today was to talk about some of the things that I observed at this concert that I have been kind of noticing over the past year, year and a half kind of since live events started to make a comeback post-pandemic, I think that we're really in a moment of like a changing face of live music. I think that these conversations about live music changing sometimes end up being like a pile on, uh, you know, onto Gen Z and just sort of like ragging on them. Uh, And as somebody who definitely defines myself as like a Gen Z millennial cusp. Um, I I never want to do that. I think Gen Z is, is brilliant. And so much of the way I act comes from the, the behaviors that I observe from people younger than me. Um, but I definitely also had gone to like a shit ton of concerts prior to COVID uh, with more of a millennial audience there. And the... The distinction is palpable, and and these uh, events are really, really undergoing a shift that will likely be lasting and in some ways is detrimental. So I think that uh, all of this kind of needs to be brought to the surface, and uh, we need to look at the links between the different ways that these events are changing, and just sort of like wondering how we can keep concerts fun, safe, and accessible to all. Because at the end of the day, like live music is something that's like so important to me. I feel my happiest at a concert. It's like just one of my favorite things to do. I, I, I really don't think that there's much that can compare in terms of like the sublime quality of being in a crowd. 
We need to preserve these communal experiences for the next generation, but we also don't want to do the old head thing of being like, back in my day, concerts were X, Y, Z, because no one wants to hear that shit. And uh, it, it rubs young people the wrong way and minimizes their needs and their experiences. So, you know, I always want to kind of kind of keep it level I want to have respect for and honor the experiences of everyone involved. I also need to acknowledge my own limitations. You know, uh, I think I saw my first concert in like 2007 or 2008. So I was not seeing concerts in a time before the internet. Um, but like I had seen many concerts in a time before TikTok, you know, so there's there there are so many uh, fractures in our our generations. And I think that we just need to be kind of aware of those as we're having conversations like this. So let me tell you about my my day on Sunday. Uh, so I get to Boston and I'm at my hotel and I decide to go look at my ticket that I purchased on Ticketmaster. Um, just to check out what time the doors open at the House of Blues. I see that the doors open at 7, and then I notice this small link on the ticket that's like, buy access to the 21 and older VIP room. And I was like, hmm. Uh, previously, one time when I was a bit younger, like a, in my late teens, my parents brought me to a concert at the House of Blues in Boston, and I was in the general admission pit and they were kind of just there, um, not necessarily to see the show, but just to sort of like go with me because we were on a trip together in Boston. Um, and they had purchased tickets to this 21 and up room and said it was really cool. And it was like a it's like a little loungy space that has a bar. Uh, and I remembered from them that they had walked up, walked out onto like a balcony uh, overseeing the stage and it, it ended up kind of being a cool spot um, so I was like all right interesting I mean that that might be an idea because I think part of me was not really like feeling being in a really condensed tight GA pit on Sunday and so I was like all right maybe I'll just sort of like opt for the more spaced out little balcony experience because I remember my parents like still having a pretty decent view so it's like all right all right I'll do that so I spent like 20 bucks extra and got um the pass to this VIP room which made things easier because it said that if you have access to the VIP room you have a separate entrance um you have a separate coat check you can sort of hang out in there prior to the time the concert starts. And we all know there's a lot of waiting involved in live events these days. Uh, so I was like, all right, cool, nice. I head over to the venue at like, like 5.36. As I pull up to the House of Blues, I notice a line, like a stupid long line, um, wrapping around the entire building um, and down the block. Uh, so if you're familiar with this area of Boston, it's the House of Blues is sort of nestled up against Fenway Park where the Red Sox play. Um, so there's a lot kind of going on in this really small space. Not a lot of like uh, car traffic, but just a lot of people. It's definitely like a, a hub and a center of this city. Uh, there are also like several other music venues nearby. Uh whose names I don't remember like there's like a big country country music venue right there and some other stuff so 
I mean, there, this line was like curling through this whole area and I could tell it was all for the Gracie show because immediately when I came up to it and was, was trying to find a parking spot, I noticed, number one, it was like all teenage and college-aged girls uh, and they were all dressed exactly like Gracie Abrams. Like they were dressed in like this unofficial dress code where they were sort of copying some of her fashion and stylistic choices. And it was like immediately recognizable to me. And the back of the line, you know, was mostly people standing and waiting. But as I was driving and finding a spot and was pulling up closer to the front of the line, there were girls that were literally like in a blanket and, you know, like sleeping bags. They had their belongings kind of spread all around them. They were sprawled out, um, kind of, slumped over on the floor uh food laptops they were like watching movies and it was just like they were fully camped out there was like tents there was like people were like fully fully camped out I have heard of this phenomenon definitely like you would hear about it a lot during the Harry Styles love on tour residency at Madison Square Garden and just the Harry Styles tour in general like people have been like camping out for days and days to see Harry. Um, but like, I just, I wasn't expecting it at a show this size. To sort of put things into perspective, Gracie Abrams is an artist that has just over a million Instagram followers. Harry Styles has 48 million Instagram followers. So obviously when we're talking about numbers, that's staggering. We do know that it's a lot more competitive to not only see a show by that artist, but especially to stand up close in a general admission pit and to get barricade, which is sort of like the coveted spot that all these diehard fans want. So like grabbing the railing that's directly in front of the stage. The way these venues are structured, like it will be the stage and there's this little gap and then the crowd. And in the gap, you'll have like security guards and stuff. Um, but fans want to be as close as they possibly can. So if they can't be touching the stage, they want to be touching the barricade because uh, sometimes the artists will sort of hop down into that uh, gap between the two and make some sort of physical content contact with the fans, which to a lot of people is sort of like the reason that they're attending a live show, to have an interaction with an artist that they feel like they have some sort of parasocial fan relationship with. I was just kind of caught off guard by it. Like, I was kind of like, are people really that serious about Gracie? Like, I, I didn't know she had fans that rode for her like that. And I still am like not totally sure that she does. I think it's more so just like, this is the way that teens have been taught to act at concerts and like, they're starting to think about the experience of a concert very differently than people did uh, a few years ago. Like the goal of a concert is different. The, the point of a concert is different. And it makes them do a lot of kind of bizarre behaviors uh, because everybody else is doing them. So like in order to see the show from like a reasonable spot where you can actually see the artists that you're paying a shit ton of money to go see, you have to like camp out in the streets, uh, lacking food and water, despite the weather. <laughs> I mean, 
It was a cold, cold day on Sunday, and those girls were out there just bundled the fuck up. Uh, I could not imagine being out on that line in like a sweltering heat wave, but I know that they have. Uh, And Boston is a relatively safe city, and the area that they were in was clean and, uh, you know, friendly, but I definitely don't think the area around every venue is uh, so just a, sort of a lot to uh, to worry about. And that's not even considering and taking into account the fact that most of the people camping out are minors. Uh, and m- the majority of them were there without parents, without adults. Uh, I would say the youngest uh, I was seeing there was probably around like seventh or eighth grade. Uh, And then like the majority of them were probably like seniors in high school, freshmen in college. So it was a really, really young crowd. There's something now where like if you get barricade, it's sort of like proof of your fandom and it's sort of like winning a prize. So there's a competitive element to lining up and being there the longest and sticking it out and willing to do anything And the more people that buy into this ideology, the less of an opportunity you have to just be like a normal concert goer who shows up an hour before doors. Um, So because so many people are dedicating themselves to this sort of lineup, it's kind of becoming the only way to go about things. Unless you were like me, who was 21 and over, which was a rarity at this show, considering that the crowd swung so young. But I got my parking space and then I walked up to the door and there was like a separate entrance for the room that I bought tickets to. I went in just immediately, wasn't outside in the cold for more than two minutes, Uh, came inside, like you could have a drink, you could have something to eat. I was just sort of chilling. There was probably max... 15 people in there all around my age and then at like 6 55 um, I noticed some of the people around me starting to get up from the little lounge area and making a line by one of these doors so I just sort of got up as well and went over and we were all kind of talking and we were like wow like isn't it so crazy that there's been kids outside uh, since like 6 a.m this morning when the sun was rising and they're literally getting hypothermia. And us, just because we're 21 and older, we can just saunter right into the venue <laughs> immediately at doors. And like, essentially, we could claim a spot that they've been camping out for for days. <laughs> and like, we were all just like, damn, like the privileges of being elderly at a Gracie Abrams concert. Like, we we're just, we were joking around because it was funny. Like, there was literally only like 15 of us that were there, uh, you know, as, as adults. Uh, and, you know Gracie's our age so it's it's not like she's a child artist it's just fans of anything kind of swing really young right now because the way music is spread is via TikTok and general admission crowds really sort of cater toward Gen Z child fans who are able to stand for hours on end uh I, I mean general admission pits in general are like so 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 inaccessible I mean there's really nowhere you can be if you are disabled or just don't have it in you to uh, to stand for that period of time. I mean, it's brutal even for me, and I'm like an able-bodied, healthy person. Um, so yeah, so I mean, we're, we're waiting, we're talking, we're bonding, and then they let us in, and 
we just walk right up. Like I just walked up and they let us in at the same time as the people that were outside. I essentially got like fourth row ish, uh, right in the center, amazing view of Gracie. And then my only duty from there on out was to hold my ground and stand in my spot and not move because the kids started to just pack in behind me. Um, they came in fast and they came in almost like urgently, which is something that we've seen videos go viral about over the past year or two. These sort of stampedes uh, of concert goers into general admission pits. I mean, it's essentially the way that a whole bunch of people died at Travis Scott's Astro World Festival. Um, and we've seen it result in a lot of injuries across genre uh, in different cities all over the world. Um, this this way of letting people into a concert is definitely not working for this new generation of people. And it's not like the venues are doing anything different. Like they're checking your ticket, they're checking your bag, they're checking your coat, and then you can go. But it's just sort of like the way that these young people are approaching the stage is a lot more um, a lot more like focused and bullheaded like they're coming directly at you and they're planting themselves as close as they physically can possibly get to the barricade so within like five minutes of securing my spot I started to have a crowd behind me sort of close in um, and my little bubble of personal space um, completely vanished and I had like people sort of pressed up against my back my front and both sides um, there was barely room around my feet to like separate them like my feet were were together um, on the floor so definitely very compact if you asked me like five years ago what my favorite type of venue was I would definitely say a general admission venue, uh, a venue where the entire thing is standing room only and everybody is sort of in one rectangular space engaging with this artist together. I do, or I, I did really find that this is where you would have the most lively concert experience, where you would really feel connected to the people around you um, and forcing everybody to be up on their feet rather than sitting down in a chair is really helpful in terms of like getting the crowd going. I've been to shows that have seats and there are songs that kind of feel like duds because people won't get up. And I think the artist can feel that energy and that lack of like communion. Um, and I, I don't think it fares well. Like, I think it dims the the spark in the room a little bit. 24th Street, where you held me, grabbed my arm. What a mental fire alarm. Cause you lied, that felt wrong.
did think was really, really great that I had never seen at a show before was that the security guard that stood in front of the barricade had about 100 water bottles that he was passing out to the GA pit for free. This is game changing. I feel like uh, at shows prior to the pandemic, when I was in a general admission pit, obviously like you don't leave because you want to hold your spot. So by the time you get there until the time the main artist comes out, which is sometimes two, three hours later, you're kind of firmly planted and not moving. Um, if you were to stop and get a, get a bottle of water before going into the pit, um, those cost upwards of $15 for a single bottle of water because you have to buy them directly from the venue. And they would always remove the cap like they would give you a capless water bottle that you can't close. And number one, I, I still to this day, it beats me why they do that. I don't understand. Like, is it a safety thing? I don't really get it. Um, but number two is so annoying because you would you would have to either finish your water bottle in like one go or you would have to deal with holding an open water bottle in a pit where everyone is standing really close to you and you want to dance and you want to talk or move around it was just inconvenient, right? Like it's it's like holding a, it's like getting a drink from the bar and then going into a GA pit. Like it's not convenient. Um, so this guy was passing out free water bottles with the cap on. I was like, thank God, I literally could kiss you right now. I was so happy, so grateful for that one bottle of fucking Dasani water, the worst water of all. Um, <laughs> yo, really quick, water ranking. Number one, we have the classic Poland Spring. You can't compare. You can't outdo the doer. She's sleek. She's skinny. She's that girl. All these other bitches want to be her. Number two, we have those bougie water brands like Voss or Smart Water, where like they taste really good and they make you feel all like clean inside. But the entire time you're drinking, you are going through a spiral of regretting your financial decisions. Number three, we have Aquafina, um, which is very mid uh aquafina do better and then um we have like literally the crusty tap water from your home faucet and then we have dasani dasani is bottom of the barrel literally tastes like salami <laughs> somebody told me that once and i can't ever get it out of my head but in the moment at the gracie abrams show that dasani was the best tasting water i've ever had all jokes aside, uh, it was really nice to see the security guard, who I'm assuming works for the venue, take an interest in the health and well-being of the crowd, you know, who once again were mostly minors and who were definitely dehydrated and hadn't eaten too much considering they were on the sidewalk for the past 10 hours in the cold uh, with just their friends and no adults. So I, I definitely feel like that was huge and it kept a lot of problems at bay. But still, somebody fainted during the concert, someone near me, a young girl, and it was like mid-song, and all of these people around her were like, Gracie, stop, stop the music, and like waving their hands in the air, and Gracie was like, what's going on, what's going on, like stopped mid-song, and then she like parted the crowd like she was Moses parting the Red Sea, and this one girl in like an identical outfit to her emerged, and she was like, I'm fine, I'm fine, really, like I'm good. And the security guard was like, come up here, come up here. And so she walked up to the front and the security guard, this big burly guy, like lifted her over the barricade. And then Gracie like grabbed her hand and like kissed her forehead and was like, I love you so much. Like, stay safe, okay? And then all these other girls around me were like gagged. Like they were so jealous 
that this girl who passed out had an interaction with the artist. And I was like, I was like, what is going on? Like, I can never tell. I think I've talked about this on a previous episode. There's like this weird epidemic now where like, I'm 99% sure people are passing out at concerts for attention. <laughs> like, it's such a mean thing to say. Cause like, I mean, this girl probably like actually did pass out. Like it, it really was tight and hot and, uh, you know, one water bottle is not going to maybe do the trick if you've been dehydrated all day. But like something about it was a little like a little sus, if you ask me. I personally think one of the best things about seeing live music is the fact that live shows are ephemeral. Every single night of a tour is extremely different. You don't know exactly what you're going to see. Even if you know the set list, even if you've been to other dates of the tour, your show is going to be singular. And I feel like prior to the pandemic, when I was going to concerts, there was sort of like a acknowledgement and respect for that phenomenon. And now it seems like some of the concert goers are trying to replicate things that they've seen happen at other concerts through like online videos. This whole concept makes me think a lot about Maddie Healy, the frontman of the band, the 
people bringing signs that are increasingly outlandish and borderline invasive and inappropriate to get a reaction out of him that they can film that will turn into a viral moment and him like playing into that. Prior to the pandemic, at shows that were performed at arenas as big as Madison Square Garden, the artists essentially just went through their set list of songs. Maybe they would say a quick hello and welcome toward the beginning of the set, and at the end they would say thank you, you know, I couldn't do it without my fans, uh, very cookie-cutter, canned messages. There were not 15-20 minute blocks of time built into the show where, like, the the artist is just fucking around on stage and and bullshitting with the crowd. I mean, I always thought this was crazy with Harry Styles because obviously he's a very charismatic performer, but I don't I don't personally think his personality is that witty or charming and people are spending a lot of money to see him just sort of walk around and and say a whole lot of nothing, which really goes to show that like how many of these audience members are going to see him because they're just like attracted to him and he's like their little boyfriend that lives in their phone. Um, and I definitely don't want to be knocking this way of thinking because I've fallen trapped to it a million times and there are definitely artists that I like because I'm attracted to them. But like, I do think that, I don't know if I would go to a show in order to see those artists not perform their music, like, and just to walk around. Like, that's, it's literally like going to MagCon. Remember MagCon with Nash Greer? <laughs> that's what it's like. Like, it's times like these that I'm glad my podcast is not that popular. Because could you imagine Harry Styles fans knowing that I'm comparing Love on Tour to MagCon? I would be burned at the stake. If that was the case, I would be eaten alive on Twitter. Greener is fried rice, I could cook an egg on you. Late night game time, coffee on the stove. Your sweet ice cream, but you could use a flake or two. members will throw things on stage to sort of get the performer's attention or bring like almost costumey objects to have the artist wear so somebody will bring like a cowboy hat and then the artist like puts it on and prances around with it a little bit uh, and a big one a huge one is uh bringing pride flags to shows where the artist is not queer and then like handing it to the artist or throwing it on stage and the artist like wraps it around themselves, and everyone goes crazy like, oh my God, like they're like, they're an ally or I don't really even know. I don't know where this started. I don't know why it's happening. Like Gracie Abrams received two pride flags at this show that I was at and she just sort of like held them. I've just seen this same thing happen so much where it's to the point where like, 
I feel like the artist feels obligated to grab the pride flag and twirl it around because otherwise they will look homophobic. <laughs> it's like so weird. Another big one I've seen a lot lately in viral videos is like throwing your phone up on stage so that the artist will take a picture, like a selfie with it or throwing your phone up so that the artist takes your be real. Um, which obviously like, sure, it would be cool if Harry Styles took my be real, but like throwing a phone into into the performer's personal space, like sort of breaking that invisible wall that's between you and them, definitely blurs the lines between artist and fan, the lines that were traditionally there. And on one hand, you could send, you could say that like, that's a good thing. The artists are coming down off a pedestal and are sort of on equal footing with their fan base that's that's great. We should see musicians as people, as human beings. On the other hand, it's a safety concern because fan and artists are not equal power-wise. They're just fundamentally not. Um, there was a Steve Lacey show that went viral earlier in the year because somebody threw their disposable camera at him. I think it hit him on stage while he was performing and he got really upset and like threw it on the ground and smashed it in half. Um, which like that's <laughs> I feel like there's always some Steve Lacey shit going viral where he's just like having a freak out. I remember there was a a, a clip that went viral where the audience members only sang the part of bad habit that was like the TikTok audio it was like, I bite my tongue, it's a bad habit. Like they were just singing the chorus and then didn't know the other words and he like flipped. <laughs> like, imagine how that feels. You sell out a venue and then the audience only knows 20 seconds of your biggest song. <laughs> and they're there like dying for you to take their be real. I mean, it definitely would make you feel like a piece of content and not an artist. People like Harry Styles and Maddie Healy who love theatrics and spectacle sort of roll with this, but I could understand why an artist like Steve Lacey who has been grinding in the alternative R&B scene for years to get his career off the ground, I could understand why it makes him frustrated, although I do think he kind of needs to rein in the tantrums a bit. I think we're going to see more and more artists just decide that touring is not them it's not part of their lifestyle I mean I remember it was a huge deal when Justin Bieber announced a couple of years ago that he would stop doing meet and greets because he felt like his fans were taking advantage of his physical body and his personal space and people at the time were like oh Justin Bieber is such a diva he's being such a diva but now I feel like that's a really understandable perspective um I mean I've heard tons of horror stories about fans coming to meet and greets with famous people and like asking them to do poses that are sexually suggestive or pulling out weird things I don't know just sort of like just just putting them in uncompromising positions I mean it's just it's such a weird dynamic in general to pay to meet somebody and I've done it but it is weird when you think about it and uh you know you definitely have to go into it with the mindset of like I'm meeting another human being I'm not I'm not meeting a fantasy that I've created in my head I'm not meeting a avatar on social media like this is a human this is an artist who is being gracious enough to 
let me into their space uh, in order to express how I feel about their work and chat with them a little bit and grab a picture. I mean, if you go into the, to it with that mentality, I feel like it's fine. But like there needs to be levels of baseline social norms and respect at play. The more chronically online fans that attend these events, the more there's going to be a lack of like situational and spatial awareness. And that's just something we kind of need to to take into account. So if you were an artist, you might not want to have a meet and greet. You might not want to have a sound check open to the public or whatever. Uh, you, you might just kind of want to pull back and reaffirm those boundaries between the stage and the audience a little bit, if need be. And I feel like that makes sense to me, even if it feels like from a fan's perspective, we can't get as close as we used to. Uh, I feel like we are close plenty. There was this thing that happened like last year where indie singer Mitski tweeted before one of her tours started and said something along the lines of like, I would prefer if nobody at my shows has their phones out, period. Um, I don't want my show recorded. I want us to all be in the moment together. I would just really appreciate if you kept your phone sort of in your pocket during the show. And people like went after her. They were like, it's ableist for you to tell me that I can't film on my phone because I have a condition where I don't remember things very well. And I won't remember the show if I don't film it. And like, obviously, with each of these borderline ridiculous comments, there are truth to them to some degree, sure. But I mean, I feel frustrated by the way that played out because Mitski eventually backed down and was like, never mind. She deleted the tweet. She's like, do whatever you want. Fine. She's almost like beaten down by the Internet. But like, I don't know if that's her wish, if that's her boundary, I would feel like as a as a fan, I would want to honor it. I wondered about the people that responded in such a hostile way if they could imagine being Mitski, if they could imagine the show from the opposite perspective, looking out into an audience of people that supposedly love you, but only seeing phones and not faces. I think that it probably feels very isolating and lonely up there. The toughest part about all of this is that people will start excusing their behavior by saying, you know, I want to record the show for memories. But we know if we're all being real with ourselves that like you're kind of just filming it to prove that you were where you were and prove that you got to be in the same room as this famous person or prove that you're the biggest fan of so-and-so. You're at another Harry date. This is your 15th show, like whatever it is. I mean, we, we all do have that competitive impulse the same reason why people want to get barricade I mean I think the least we can do is be honest about that and think about maybe ways we can more healthfully express our love for things rather than doing it in a way that kind of cuts through our you know human experience that we're having with this person and devalues their art goes against their wishes. I definitely tried at the Gracie show on Sunday to only film short bits of my favorite songs. And for the majority of it, I had my phone away in my bag. It is important for us to just sort of be aware that like these comments where we're like, no, I can film you. You can't tell me what to do. That's entitled. It's entitled because, you know, the artist is is giving themselves to us. 
I think part of the reason why we are feeling so entitled is because we're spending so much money on concert tickets these days. Um, I don't know how many of you have been following the Ticketmaster fiasco, um, but I'll give you sort of the the spark notes. Uh, in 2010, Ticketmaster merged with Live Nation, and that merger kind of resulted in Ticketmaster having like a huge monopoly over uh, concert goers, performers, and venues. So essentially, like, the only place that you can buy a ticket is through Ticketmaster. Like, the only place you can buy firsthand is through Ticketmaster because they have a partnership with, like, every venue under the sun. They're, like, the place to go. So there's a single supplier, which means that everybody is going to the same place when it's when stuff is launched. Um, we saw this all sort of come to a head during the sale of the Taylor Swift Eras Tour tickets. Um, the Eras Tour is beginning in like a week or two. And um, when tickets went on sale this past fall, the Ticketmaster site just couldn't handle the traffic. Um, so all of these fans, even ones who were promised these like pre-sale codes and da 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 uh, they were not able to get tickets. They were like stuck in the queue for hours and it was miserable. They thought they achieved tickets and then they lost their place in line or whatever. There was like a million reasons why this was going wrong. And if you did eventually secure tickets, the price that they gave you was just obscene. And you would have to choose prior to receiving the ticket that you would buy, you would have to choose like the tier of pricing that you were okay with. So you, you would have to be like, oh, I'm okay with tickets anywhere between 500 to $1,000. And then they would just like charge your card 750, like, <laughs> or like whatever the price is um, when, it, when it came time. So people were just so beyond done with this. And then it, everything, Everything that went down for Eras Tour repeated when the Renaissance Tour tickets went on sale for Beyonce and when the SOS Tour tickets went on sale for SZA. So there have been three major tours that have been just plagued by the the negative effects of Ticketmaster's monopoly on the live music industry. Um, uh, Taylor Swift fans are supporting this coalition that enforces antitrust laws. Uh, so there, there's actually like, this is actually kind of funny. There's like a team of Taylor Swift fan lawyers who are banding together to sue Ticketmaster for having like an unfair monopoly or whatever. Uh, ultimately, their goal is they want to have the fees, like the concert ticket fees decrease. Um, and they want to make it so that more people can buy from the primary marketplace, aka Ticketmaster or whoever else it may be, rather than from scalpers, because the scalpers are, are selling things for stupid amounts. And most people right now are buying their tickets secondhand because uh, scalpers are buying them in bulk within seconds because they have like the technology, the bots in order to do that. Um, so, I mean, all of this is to say that the ticket purchasing atmosphere is really really fraught right now so even going to a show at a smaller venue for a smaller artist like Gracie Abrams you're still spending like a decent amount there there was a time like not even 10 years ago where I could see a show like that for $25 and like I remember seeing um 
Tori Kelly and Alessia Cara on the same bill for $25. And I feel like both of them at the time were sort of at the same level of fame as Gracie. And this one cost me like a hundred something in order to be in pit. Um, so, you know, just the, the prices are, are skyrocketing. And the fact that people are laying out their income to go to Eras tour, like literally laying out a thousand dollars for one night at Eras tour, not even like front row or anything, just like normie seats. I mean, that's going to have a major effect on our economy. I mean, we need to figure that out and we need to fix it. Um, but, you know, I think that that has a ripple effect on the way people are behaving because there's such an intensity at these shows. And I think that even the kids that are coming, whose parents likely paid those prices for the tickets, they sort of know that they have to have the time of their lives because they they need something to show uh, for the fact that their parents laid out these big stacks of cash in order for them to see their favorite. And they, they need to get the recognition from their peers or, or their social media audience. Or they, they just need to say like, oh, like Harry Styles winked at me, you know? I think that once the Ticketmaster stuff sorts itself out and we find ourselves at the other side of that i am hoping some of this clears up um but i'm also willing to resign to the fact that the audiences at concerts will now and forever be or now and for a while be mostly gen z especially in terms of pop music because the audience of pop music skews young so uh going to these going to these events I think you know I'm just gonna have to prepare myself for them to look the way that they looked on Sunday and to adjust accordingly I still love shows and I would never want to miss out on being in an audience but I think that you know there there are things that are going on that artists should speak up about and fans should be wary of and you know let's just keep the music scene happy and friendly and good <laughs> okay deal deal i'll play you out on the gracie abrams song today just because i've been talking about her um she had an album come out not too long ago i'll play you my favorite track off of that have a good one see you soon bye this is what the drugs are for turn the lights off on the calm down still get emotional when I think about your old house hopefully the high works to change my to do